Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Traders Chat. Um, I'm here joined with Lou, our senior trader and our community manager. How you doing, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Oh, pretty good. It's nice to see some green in the market. Yeah, yeah, nice. A nice start to the year with um, some solid volatility. Uh, pretty similar to last year when we traded Bitcoin when it broke uh, that support level of forty thousand. And we traded into the 30s mm. and um, that was a period of really high volatility around about this time of year. And then, um, yeah, now now we're trading long um, in another period of high volatility. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> nice, it's nice to trade long for a change. It's really yeah, it's something different. It's good. Yeah, um, different. It's good. So in today's episode, we'll just run through some CPI data. Uh, we'll have a look at the Bitcoin chart and the total crypto market cap, um, and we'll cover some NFTs as well. But before we get started, um, we've just got a quick word from Craig about our newest sponsor, BitGet. So take it away, Craig. Just a quick word from our sponsors, BitGet. TraderCobb and BitGet have partnered up as we've done extensive research on what we believe to be the best trading platform for margin traders on the market today. We've got a full tutorial on how to raise orders and how to get access to your trading account, as well as a 10% trading fee discount if you click and sign up with the link below. With great liquidity and great order systems, this is the premier platform for us going forward. Join up with the link in the description to get 10% off your trading fees. Uh, let's kick things off with uh, CPI that was released last week. Um, the Fed announced that inflation had you know, slowed down just a little bit from about 7.1% uh, this time last year to 65 um, which gives us the six, you know, six months in a row that we've had um, CPI sort of slowing down a little bit. But, you know, for the past six months, we've had interest rates continue to increase. At uh, It started off around 75 basis points per month. Uh, I think last month was 50 basis points. So, um, I would expect to see that the interest rates may ease off a little bit. Maybe we'll stay at 50%, uh, 50 basis points, uh, potentially drop that down to 25. What do you think, Lou? Uh, I, I think they're going to keep on raising rates. I think like, um, personally, I think that like, um, so the last time we're in this kind of regime was with Paul Volk, Volkner. Mm. the last Fed share in the 70s or 80s, one of those periods. Um, before our and time. So he, before, before our time, certainly. And he was in a similar situation to what um, the federal, to what Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve, um, is in now. All, all central banks are in. So, like, you know, really high inflation. And he said that to break the back of inflation, they had to raise rates a huge amount. Um, yeah, so don't quote, I forgot which decade that was. It was either 70, 70s or 80s, I'm pretty sure. And so to break the back of inflation, as inflation was coming down, he even started hiking rates more. And everyone was like, what are you doing? He's like, gotta, gotta, just got to break the back of inflation, then we can lower rates and we'll actually see it cooling off. So um, look, I'm, I'm not a macro guy. I'm, like I, I just trade off the charts. I um, but look, I wouldn't be surprised to see interest rates um, rise a bit more. But it That's looks like the Fed's doing their job with 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 um, you know dropping uh, dropping inflation down, which is good. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, 
so their their goal is two percent so two percent inflation we're sitting at 6.5 percent year on year so to get that down to two percent yeah I think that, rates a fair bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're going to hold interest rates stable and hope it keeps coming down slowly without blowing out the unemployment rate or are they just going to go hell for leather and just you know bump those interest rates right up and yeah. get it over and done with yeah who, who knows i mean it's kind of they kind of went hell for leather last year didn't they well yeah exactly yeah 75 <laughs> so, basis points every month in the world four months in a row yeah and, and look I, I remember at the beginning of last year or um yeah the beginning of last year where a lot of people were like because we've been such a bull market in equities for such a long time they're like the fed is not going to raise rates no matter what because they can't crash the market and what the, uh, to me what the fed's shown in this situation is that they don't care about the market hmm. they care about dropping inflation so they'll do whatever it takes to do that and so um you know yeah we'll see what happens they care about dropping inflation and looking after their billionaire buddies but um just to just to put that into perspective um we started off around june or july at one percent interest rate it was around one percent around june july last year we ended the year at it was 4.5 percent Right, so that's a huge increase over a six-month period. And to put that into perspective, if you had a million-dollar house loan, the interest on that, you were paying around $10,000 for the year on a million-dollar house loan. That's 1%. And now you're paying at least $45,000 on that same house loan six months later you know, for a 12-month period. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? But that that's the interest rates for the Fed, right? But banks sort of, but you know, do their own thing. So four, um, sorry, four point five percent interest rate for the Fed doesn't mean that that's what the banks are charging. The banks are, I think, mine is around six point three five percent at the moment, which started off at three point seven five. So that's a huge increase, you know. Like if you were. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's almost double, yeah. Yeah, and you know, here in Sydney, you're very, very lucky to get a house for under a million dollars. And two years ago, it was probably two years ago, there were so many young people just buying, you know, getting loans because the interest rates were so low. Just getting loans, buying these houses, living in them, and now I think we're really starting to see that that pain kick in where they can't afford to the repayments yeah and, and it's compounded with inflation as well so cost of living so oh, cost yeah, of exactly. living is higher is, is is a lot higher so yeah all these things all these things all these these things mixed together and they're real they're real and they're not just felt in america or in the united states or in australia they feel felt all around the world in asia in europe um, even even the lesser developed economies in South America and Africa, like these these effects are, are, are felt all around the world. Inflation, so high cost of living, and um, you know high interest rates as well. Yeah, it's getting out of control. But let's just see what happens. There's nothing we can do. They're just going to make their decisions, and all we can do is 
not even really take it into account when it comes to our trading. What we do is trade trade our charts. No way. Yeah, no way. You can't take any. Well, for us as trend traders that only follow the charts, you can't take any of that stuff into account because it's completely unpredictable. No, that's right. I, I, I don't know anyone that's playing golf with drone power this weekend. I don't know if you do. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Maybe that's where Craig is. Maybe that's yeah. where Craig is, yeah. But um, let's just have a look at the charts, right? I'll bring up the S&P yes, so we can have a look. Charts. All right, so the S&P. Now this is on a weekly time frame, so, so we can see since sort of the beginning of the year, right? That's when the S&P was at its peak and we've just seen a really nice price action coming down, creating lower lows and lower highs on this weekly time frame. And now we're sort of in this funny range, aren't we? Where we've created a lower high, but almost created a, a higher low. So what does that mean? for you, Lou, and how would you trade this? Or would you just step away if, from the S&P altogether? If I, traded, if I traded this exact weekly time frame, could you just zoom in on your chart a bit there? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Let's delete this level. If I was to trade this exact weekly time frame, I would be drawing in a level probably at around just above 3933. So just the top across the top of those candles. Yeah, around, around there. Yeah, yeah, around there. Oh, yeah. 50. yeah, yeah, cool with that. So I draw a level in there. Um, because that seems like the next level of interest, let's say, the next level of where price could act as resistance. And then I'd be looking for a lower level. Maybe if you drop your cursor down a little bit further up. Yeah, like somewhere in that region um yeah. in there and there and i kind of be like to, trying to identify some type of weekly range and then being like look if price decides to jump out of this weekly range to the upside then i might tick down to a few lower time frames like the daily and look at trying to capture that move coming out of the weekly range to the upside if this was to turn into a lower high instead of a high low um i'd be looking at price retesting that range to the downside that's how i see that chart. yeah for sure if um if anyone that list you know just listening and not not watching the video um it's definitely worth jumping on trading view and checking out the s p 500 chart on the weekly time frame beautiful trend you know to the downside for the past you know six months almost 12 months sorry um, and yeah, now we're just coming to that funny, to that funny sort of price action where it's it's not really trending; it's in between trends. So, if you are looking to trade the S and P, I'd probably check out that weekly chart. But um, let's have a look at the Bitcoin dominance. Well, I haven't looked at this chart weekly chart. in a long time. You haven't? No. Look at this. Like, look at that support level at around forty percent. So, forty percent Bitcoin holds the dominance of the total crypto market cap. 40%, it's just such a nice support level. It's just bounced and rejected off that. And finally, you know, we've found a nice rejection at around September last year and just headed higher. When more money is flowing into Bitcoin and less, I shouldn't say less into alts, but the majority of funds are pouring into Bitcoin, uh, which is really interesting. And that's reflected in the, I'll bring up the Bitcoin chart. 
So on the weekly time frame, yeah, it's, it seems like a really good week. Uh, last week, um, even the week before, we had a, a nice green week. Um, I think Bitcoin closed up almost 22%. But on the grand scheme of things, if you zoom out and look at the weekly chart, that's not a huge candle. You know, it's big, but it's not huge. We've seen much larger candles. Um, in the it's kind of interesting with that weekly chart there. Um, that's the first, like, like this doesn't mean anything, but that's the first, um, you know, green candle we've seen in that weekly chart pushing out of the cradle zone for a whole year. Well, yeah, that's a really good point. What's this last one here? March last year. So yeah, almost 12 months, the first weekly bullish candle that out of those moving averages yeah um still you know oh sorry sorry we're talking about the weekly yeah not the, moving, not the dominant yeah. chart the charts no no this is the weekly bitcoin chart yeah. so we're still not out of this downtrend um still haven't really broken this previous high um or created a new low sort of just crab walking sideways so I you like to what about, she, yeah sorry what was that Rex? oh you like to talk about the potential of a bear market rally you think this is it oh, oh yeah yeah so what we what we've been talking about in the community is and i actually did a webinar on it around this time last year um I think it, was, it was february or march about uh one of the characteristics of a bear market are the really vicious bear market rallies and so um the bear market rallies i i read last year in crypto or in bitcoin actually are sometimes larger, uh, are most of the time larger on an intraday basis than they are during bull markets. So they can be savage and they draw everyone in and then whew, take them down. Like if you look at that rally, that last rally we had in the week on the weekly up around March um, last year, um, I'm not sure what, what, I mean, what percentage is that? Like from, say, the beginning of that rally to the end. Let's have a look. Let's say from the bottom of these weeks. That's a 45% rally. Yeah, yeah. And, and and what 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 about just from the bottom of the two um the two green candles? Yeah, yeah, like around there. 30 percent 30% rally, that's huge. So that's 30% in two weeks. Yeah. I think. So 30% yeah. in two weeks. So that's a massive rally to get people. Uh, and look, sucks everyone in at 40,000 and then look what happened. Boom, baby. <laughs> Just Well, does that absolutely... line up with that monthly candle? Yeah, it does. So that's when I remember that monthly candle pulled back into that cradle zone. We had a nice big green bullish candle in the monthly and uh, Twitter was going crazy about people buying back into the market yeah yeah it was it was and and we rejected that upper level and I remember us being in the community then um and we had that upper level on the weekly identified at about 44 45 let's say mm -hmm. give or take and we just saw that what some people call like a double top formation under that level tap tap create a low high and then I remember because we had options to either raise long or raise short and um you know raise short and cleaned up what I thought was interesting 
was the um, so the percentage that we saw gain last week was around 22%. And if we look at the weekly candle of the FTX collapse, that was 21.93%. Isn't that ridiculous that Bitcoin price has regained the range that we fell from an entire one of the largest crypto exchanges collapsing and one of the biggest fraudulent activities in the last decade oh like the last century like a century ftx was like ftx was the second biggest exchange like it's just by volume ftx was the second biggest exchange and we've just made back that whole Whole, whole move to the downside. Well, we flushed in, in four days. Flushed out a lot of people, unfortunately. You know, you and I both know people that have walked away from crypto forever because they. Oh, 100%. Got it, fl- it, it flushed out us as well. Flushed out us, yeah. But, you know, the difference between us and the people that walked away is that we're back and we're seeing value in Bitcoin and we're in it for the long term. And, and, and fortunately, look, we got, we still had funds. We still had enough funds left to trade with at the end of the day as well to walk away. Um, well, yeah, we, exactly. We did lose a lot. Um, yeah. One thing I worry about is the people that did walk away and they see um, some nice price action coming back into Bitcoin and we start hitting the thirty, the, the $40,000 marks and then they, they FOMO in and, you know, maybe, maybe we just got sucked into a, a bear market rally. We just don't know. Um, you, do, you don't. Yeah, that's right. You don't know what's a bear market rally and what's not. You're just you're trading around bear market rally. But, but tell you what, that's a very nice level there on the weekly. Just quickly, Reese, if you um, just raise your cursor, yeah, somewhere around there, where the top of the current candle is, somewhere around there. That is a very precise level through there. I would be watching that with pretty, pretty, with eagle eyes. And again, for those that. Yeah, sorry, for those that aren't watching, it's around the $21,000, $21,500 mark. If we flick down to the daily, let's have a look at the daily chart. This is really interesting. Look at that for a rally, just consecutive green days. And then, you know, the two, the, the one red day that we did have was still a bullish candle. Yeah. If we take it, that level at 21804 if we take if we take that level, we're going to see some more upside. I reckon. Yeah. If we, if we break through it like we did to those, like we did with those lower levels, that's a strong case. Definitely, the price range that we're watching. Um, not not really looking to take any long trades on Bitcoin at the moment. Not with that sort of price range up ahead. Um, we're just waiting to see how price interacts with that level and whether we see a well-deserved pullback back into those cradle zones before another shot higher. Yeah. Maybe sure. that maybe that doesn't come. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Or, or we get a rejection. That's right. Or we get a rejection of that level, we'll get a short. Yeah, that's right. We're not here to try and predict the future, to um, no. predict what Bitcoin's going to do and base our trading around that, whether it's going to go up and, you know, reject off this level and come down 30% and, you know, bounce off the, I don't know, the 50-day moving average, some... Something like that. That's not how we trade. We just trade what's in front of us. Yeah, um, we just trade. We just trade the trend, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Another one that's had a nice rally was ETH on the, let's have a look at the weekly chart. Another one that you know, still, it's had a nice rally, but we're not out of the woods just yet. The, you know, the weekly chart is just sideways. Um, no real higher highs or higher lows or lower highs or lower lows. We're just grab walking sideways, but we do have a major level up ahead around the $16,000 mark. That's you know, the previous high. And that's what we'll be keeping an eye on for Ethereum. Um, do you have any points to add on how we're approaching the charts this week, Lou? Oh, just rinse and repeat, mate. Like, um, looking at those major levels, if price breaks out through those major levels, we try and trade through those levels or offer them. Um, and then looking for cradles when there's actual momentum in the market. So the last, so last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that was a really good environment for taking cradles in and fit boosters on lower time frames if you're that way inclined. And so that's that's what I'm looking for. Just the right environment and flexing using the right strategies for the right environment. Last week was definitely the, the week for cradles, even breakouts, you know, breakouts were setting up and yeah. breaking through. But yeah, I think fit boosters were a good strategy to use as well. And for anyone that's listening, if you're not in the community, you should definitely check it out. We do have a free community. Um, located on Discord, just head to our website um, to find out more. I believe it's in the link. Uh, we'll use the link in the description below this video as well. Um, so that's it for charts. Let's before we wrap things up, I just wanted to talk about a few NFT projects. Oh, should we, uh, sorry, just quickly, Ray, should we have a look at the Dixie? Yeah, let's have a look at the Dixie. Actually, yeah, this is one that you did want to talk about, the Dixie, the US dollar index. So if we, yeah, let's bring it up on the monthly, that monthly level. The monthly level. Look, at that. Look, the reason we've been talking about this a lot in the community, just because kind of look at it on live trading floor. And it's really interesting. Right? So we've been following this chart for, for ages. And we saw price pulling into this really established monthly level. And then lo and behold, the S&P 500 breaks its upper range, starts trading higher. And the Dixie breaks its major. So the Dixie, which is the strength of the US dollar, um, breaks its monthly support at the same time as we're breaking out in crypto and in SP 500. Now, I don't look for correlations, not at all, but this is a wonderful chart to trade. This would have been, if, if I was trading traditionals, this would have been a great chart to trade. Um, trading, somehow trading that break of that monthly level to the downside. Because um, look at this, this is like a, it's like a textbook. <laughs> this chart, it's like a textbook. It's like a huge rally up, monthly support broken. You know, this is also well. This is quite bullish, I think, for our for our markets. Like you have a weak in US dollar and mm. a bit of risk being put on in equities as well. And so, you know, a weaker dollar is always always better for those futures contracts in crypto that trade against the dollar, of course. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, it's definitely worth keeping an eye on the US dollar index. You cover it every morning in the live trading floors. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting now to see how the US dollar is interacting with the crypto markets. So we never used to really pay attention to it, but now like the S&P and the Dixie are really, you know, the crypto market is in flow with those other two markets, which I believe just shows how much institutional money is in the crypto space at the moment. Yeah, 100%. And um, 
I'll put I'll put it I'll put a crazy thought out there into everyone's head. Okay, let's say let's say the Federal Reserve doesn't raise interest rates anymore. Let's let's say the next Fed interest rate announcement is lower, like we said. Wouldn't these two charts, so a rallying SP and a US and a weak US dollar and a stronger Bitcoin um, almost preempt that move? Definitely. Yeah. So let's see what I happens. Heard it first. No more interest rates. <laughs> no more interest rates, baby. No more interest rate increases. Uh, let's just see how that plays out. I think it's going to be a very interesting year. Um, we don't like to predict the future, but I, in this case, I think we'll see interest rates continue to increase for the remainder of this year for easing to, you know, in Q, maybe Q4 of this year and uh, some more money flow back into traditional markets. And that leading right into the Bitcoin halvening that everyone likes to talk about, uh, which is happening in 2024. And we do see some, some crazy price action leading into a Bitcoin halvening. So I think this year is going to be an interesting year, but next year, an even bigger one which is really exciting, gives us time to sort of DCA back into the market after the FTX collapse. For sure, 100%. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome here. And to start the year like we have now is, is just great. What better way to start the year start. with some, you know, some long, some long trades to get you back into it after a little break? And lock some good some price action. Yeah, locking some profits, that's right. Um, it's, just a, it's a really positive way to start the year. Um, all right, so that's it for the charts. Um, if you, again, if you're listening on the podcast, then uh, feel free to jump on YouTube and watch this so you can see what we're talking about on the charts. But um, the next project that I wanted to talk about was an NFT project, Game of Thrones, one I was really, really excited about. I thought it was going to be amazing. Big Game of Thrones fan. Have you watched it, Lou? No, uh, I watched the original ones a little bit, but not, not really. <sighs> can't be friends but <laughs> yeah a drop that i was really excited about and it was a complete failure um i believe it launched on the marketplace on nifty i'll just bring up a what, what, like was was it why was it a failure like well you've seen some, that... you know you've seen some nft projects you know what NFTs look like. You know good ones. You know what bad ones look like. Yeah, yeah sure do. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah. saga. Look at this. This is... Uh, <laughs> if I zoom in here. Look at the hands on this bloke. <laughs> it's like the, there's just no... That's so... At, in two, for 2023 yeah like technology graphics for you a few words in an ai generator would produce a better nft than that i don't know 100 percent. yeah it's just crazy if you're, yeah, if you're listening in it's definitely worth just googling the game of thrones nft drop um it did sell out which is a surprise um but i believe when it sold out you were you're buying a pack and they revealed later on so um, it would have been a rude surprise getting something like this in your pack. <laughs> so if they sold out, does that mean everyone's trying to sell them now because they're pretty average? Or um, it depends on the pro like what's behind the project and what the 
what the roadmap course, looks like. Yeah. I haven't looked into it too much. I was pretty disappointed by this one, so I haven't looked into it too much. But um, I imagine there's a lot of people in the same boat as me that just turned off. Uh, the next one was Moonbirds, <laughs> one that I really like. They've just signed a talent agency in Hollywood called UTA or United Talent yeah. Agency. So what they're doing is they've built the Moonbirds brand around Web3. They've just signed a talent agency um, in Hollywood to sort of get that brand outside of Web3 and to everyone. So it's a really big step for the Web3 space and the Proof Collective and uh, Moonbirds as well. I believe uh, Yuga Labs have done the same thing. Uh, Yuga Labs are behind the board at your club. So um, yeah, just a, a bit of an update on some NFT projects. Um, Remember this, this time last year, going back to NFT time, um, there was a land sale for board at Board Eight Yacht Clubs, but wasn't there around this time of year? Yeah, I think it was a little bit earlier. Oh, it was a bit earlier. Oh, uh, sorry, a bit, later. a bit later. Sorry, and the hysteria behind that. Yeah, yeah, so much hysteria around the crazy uh, people losing I mean, hundreds the of thousands of dollars. Yeah, the NFT. I'm a proponent of the NFT space, by the way. I think it's awesome. There are some really cool projects out there. Yeah, really right. cool, cool projects. Um, one that we really like is the Huxley Saga. Um, yeah, Huxley's awesome. We're not sort of trying to promote it, but it is just a, yeah. a, a cool project. Um, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really excited about the NFT space. It sort of boomed. I shouldn't say boomed. It's flourished during the, the downfall of FTX. Uh, some projects are still doing really great things, raising capital as well. Um, so if we do have a nice bull run, in the markets, I can see the NFT space really picking up as well. For sure, for sure, yeah, yeah. And people are just attracted to NFTs. I don't know, there's yeah. a ton of attraction to it. Everyone loves them. Can you see it? See them being the the future of art. Instead of people having expensive paintings on the wall, maybe have a, a digital frame. Oh, hundred percent. I've been looking at Twitter. Uh, I was looking at Twitter the other day. It was showing the history of art. And um, how it said this house was built in 1780 by like illiterate peasants, and it's just like a really beautifully built sandstone cottage. And then it goes, this building was built in like the 1940 or like 1930s. It's like a architectural wonder, and it shows like the Empire State Building, um, uh, the Eiffel Tower, things like this. Then it goes. These are the skyscrapers built now, and they're just like the, they don't resemble anything to what art uh, used to be. Nothing. Like they're just like these huge boxes or bunkers. Um, and art's the same, you know. You look, look at, look at um, Michelangelo and the fam famous paintings of gods and humans and portraits and everything. And now you look at art today, and, you know, you can buy. <laughs> So you're buying it. Rubbish. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not saying NFTs are rubbish, but and, and they're not. Um, I, I, don't, I don't believe they're not. They are at least. But the digital art is a natural transformation forward. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. That's why I'm in the space. I believe it is the next step for art and collectors is the digital, you know, yeah, the digital collectors, collector's side. Yeah. And that way no one can 
I mean, you can just take a screenshot of an NFT, but you're not the real owner, you know, like the real owner is on the blockchain. Your wallet is on the blockchain. Everyone, you know, you can see who owns that original piece. Yeah. Well, let's like, what do you think is so special about Huxley? Why do you like Huxley so much? It has a use case. And that's what I think a lot of projects don't have. They're just these silly pictures or. And what's its use case in two sentences or less? Well, one, the founder behind Huxley has a good history. Um, he's a great artist that's behind some Marvel movies. And two, he's creating a movie. Yeah, sure, true, yeah. And, and, and a video game. And, and he was behind um, creating, um, he was one of the lead devs on Halo, Call of Duty. Yeah. And all those, all those cult, cult era games, I guess you call them. So yeah, yeah. Was, you know, he's developing a video game for his particular thing. Well, that was the reason that I bought some Huxley comics and avatars is if this does take off, like if this is a, a seriously a good movie, then I own one of a thousand robots that he's created. There's only going to be a thousand, yeah. you know, like how cool is that? Imagine if this was the next say Star Wars, it, you know, it may not be, it could be, but you also in the comics as well. Yeah, I imagine if there was a thousand avatars that were released before Star Wars and then you were the one that owned Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. Like how cool would that be? Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. I just think it would be cool. Bit of a oh, also, also with Huxley, remember he went into the top the first comic they released was went into one of the highest selling comics of all time. Like top. 20 highest. Yeah, the issue ones. Yeah. Definitely. So a few, few things. Use case. I think use case is the big thing there, the NFTs. If it doesn't have yeah. a use case, I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't say that I'm a, an expert in the NFT space. I have poked around a little bit. I know a few projects. Um, I don't think you're an expert either. Correct me if no, I'm wrong. No but, no um, yeah, I, I just think that the space has, most projects have a good use case. And now with with the crypto space sort of tightening up a little bit it's probably harder for people just to create an nft project with no use case and expect people to buy it there was a time and a place for that and that was early last year maybe the end of the year before i don't think that's happening anymore yeah, yeah. kind of like the ico phase yeah. and tapes and then can't do anything yeah, that's right. Um, all right, so that's it for today. Let's wrap it up. Um, thanks for joining, Lou, and speaking your expertise over the charts and how we're attacking the markets this week. Thanks for having me. Uh, Craig, always good to chat. Yeah, it's always a good chat. Uh, Craig will be back soon. Uh, we'll have him on here as well. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you all have a great day and we'll chat to you guys next week.